Welcome to another episode of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Mike Jackman, and I'm joined today by writer, producer, uh, musician, music video creator, and artist Joe Aegis. Joe, how's it going today? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks. Good, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Um, I saw that you were you posted something. You just had you know uh, you know a procedure done. I hope you're healing up okay. But you were uh, interested in maybe doing some interviews, so. Uh, we're here today to promote Joe's uh, great new uh, double single that he's released, I Thought I Knew You and Let It Flow. Um, so why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that, Joe, and, and uh, how that's going. Yeah, so I just put out uh, two singles. Um, one's called I Thought I Knew You and the second one's called Let It Flow. I just wanted to um, kind of give everyone a double dose because it's um, taken a while for me to get some new music out. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite songs that you put out in the last couple of years was in late 2020 in October, uh, the video dropped for uh, Back Into Your Arms. And uh, that's, I got to say, that's my favorite song of yours. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think that's the um, the crowd favorite for sure. And it's nice having um, Harriet or Hatchie sing on that. She always, you know, makes any song sound amazing as soon as she's kind of, she touches it. Yeah, you guys have an amazing, uh, very unique sound together and, and stage presence as well as presence and, you know, music videos. Uh, so I understand that song initially started off as a song you wanted to do for the Hatchie Project and then it kind of evolved into Rinse? Yeah, so like I'm always kind of, um, we're both writing music constantly. And um, I guess after the first Hatchie record, I came, I came a bit more into the co-writing sense of Hatchie. And um, I guess when I'm writing random songs all the time, I'm always kind of thinking of her. If there's an idea that we can, I kind of take to her in the other room and we, we finish up together. And that was one of them. Um, but it kind of just felt like a song I wanted to keep for myself. And it felt like a good way to like feature Harriet on my music. So it kind of just ends up that way. But there is actually a, a Hatchie version that's on a um, Japanese deluxe version of the record of her last record as well so there is a hatchy version out there oh cool so you guys are huge in japan you can say that um <laughs> i don't know about that but we haven't two a day one day hopefully yeah I, I really i love the dynamics of that song because it's it's kind of brooding and it, it reminds me the guitar line really reminds me of something robert smith would have done in like the late 80s or early 90s um I don't know if, if those are some of your influences. That's just what I oh, when I listen when I listen to it. That's what I hear. And and um, yeah, I don't know. Did you see Robert Smith had a really successful recent tour, even after battling uh, Ticket Monster and trying to keep tickets low for fans? Yeah, no, he's definitely taken off the team, kind of trying to change, you know, all that that ticket stuff. I don't I don't know heaps about it, but mm -hmm. um, it's definitely a problem that we're having here in Australia as well. It's um. Yeah, it's just crazy. I don't know. And it's cool to see him making some, you know, proper change and keeping tickets low and, you know, affordable for people. Yeah, and that's what I love about seeing your show. Um, I saw you guys at a really cool little famous venue in Boston called Great Scott in, in September of 2019. And sadly, that venue is no longer there. That was another oh, no um, victim of the pandemic. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's a, happening everywhere. But I mean, I love no, it. You guys, you got, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, we've lost quite a few venues here since the pandemic too. So yeah, feeling that big time. 
Yeah. So how did you deal with, you know, with that? You know, obviously you released that song at the end of 2020 and then that really cool music video, uh, you know, the tongue in cheek with the skeleton. I like how it's kind of it's brooding and serious, but you also don't take yourself too serious at the same time with the video. Yeah. That's yeah, totally. I mean, I just try to keep things a bit lighthearted. Sometimes the music feels so serious that I feel like I need to balance that out a little bit, the videos. But um, yeah, I guess the, the video side of things, I just get to kind of have fun with it and um, do whatever first comes to mind, which is usually um, what ends up being the video. It's the first thing I kind of think of. Yeah, so apart from producing, you know, this beautiful music, Joe, uh, you also, I think, direct the music videos and you do like set design and art direction. So when you're writing a song, are you already thinking ahead, oh, this is going to make a great video, or do you just kind of go step by step uh, with the songwriting process? Like, how does that typically work for you? Yeah, I feel like the good the good songs, like the singles, I'm kind of, um, I'm already thinking about videos, like halfway through writing them. It kind of, um, for me, music's quite visual. Um, I kind of just, like, see the scenes when I'm, like, trying to write verses and choruses and stuff like that and, like, trying to set a mood, like, the way that Harry and I usually always start songs is we kind of think about, you know, like, the atmosphere we want this to be listened in and, um, or even just, like, starting with a tempo that, you know, that we'd want to move to the song with, you know. It's always, um, I like working backwards from, like, a visual kind of cue. I think it, um, it helps. But... When it comes to videos, yeah, I, I definitely like, at least the good songs, I feel like they kind of create a little image in my mind pretty early on. Yeah, because like the Stay With Me video, I think you, you did that one too. That's got a real, uh, it's got like a, almost like a 90s club feel to it. Um, yeah. Real throw, real throwback, man. It's, it is a real feeling. Like it's a... You, you, Crying you in the club, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really feel good. I mean, you really have a unique sound. Like when, when I hear something, I'm like, man, that that's like that's rinse or that yeah, it could be a hatchy, you know, rinse collaboration. And I really like the the version you did in the studio. I think you had a an acoustic guitar, maybe and a cello player for backing your arms. That was kind of like a chamber yeah. stripped down version. Yeah, that was really fun. I'd like to do more of that. Um, that was Mason from the band DMAs, which are Quite a big quite a big act from australia and in, in the uk right now um he jumped on cello for that um and yeah it was cool it's cool been doing that in the studio i feel like um i really love kind of changing everything for me kind of starts songwise on like piano and acoustic so um it's kind of nice bringing it back to that kind of style um like off record um i'd like to do that more for sure <clears throat> Yeah, I really enjoy seeing different versions of songs that I like, and I'll oftentimes kind of comb YouTube for covers. And um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the uh, uh, Crush cover. That was cool. Too. Yeah. Did you produce that one too? Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I loved. I loved making that. Um, it's been really fun. Like, we have the Patreon with Hatchy, so every month we're kind of releasing a cover, and it's kind of. Um, it's been good for me just to like get better at producing and you know just because the pressure's off we're not writing it we just take a song and transplant it into like the kind of style that we we make music so it's really just a producing kind of effort and um yeah I've learned a lot Crush was kind of like the first first thing of Hatchy that I 
properly can choose to all by myself. Um, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. Um, I think it's cool. Yeah, it's but, kind um, of unexpected, but it, def it definitely works, you know, it's it, and it's got that, that kind of whole mood and vibe to it. Yeah, I really like those, like, kind of old covers that bands do. And you, I mean, that one's quite obvious. A lot of people know that song. But, um, yeah, I think it's cool we're doing kind of more, more covers and stuff now because I really enjoy that about, like, old bands where, you know, they kind of restyle something and you kind of end up liking that cover a lot more than the original. Yeah. So, so where did you, how did you get your start in music, Joel? Like what, what inspired you to become a musician? Is it something you've kind of been doing since you were little or, or, you know, where, where did you get your start? Yeah, I was doing heaps of, I was kind of like a singing, dancing, speech and drama kid. Like I was just doing that all the time out of school classes and everything. But then, um, kind of got to high school and then, um, discovered the internet and just quit everything music-wise, basically. And I was kind of got really into like um, animation design and stuff, which and video stuff, which obviously I've ended up doing as well, but didn't really look at music again till um, besides like playing some covers with my friends every now and then at school. I didn't really get into music again till I was studying in university. And um, I just kind of had like a, early life crisis, I guess, and just dropped out of university and um, told my mom and that I was just going to try and give music a go. But um, she was pretty reluctant to let me do that. But I said, just give me a year. And within that year, I signed to a label and I've just been doing it ever since. So it's been pretty lucky, but um, a lot of hard work to kind of catch up to everyone that's been playing music all through high school and stuff. I kind of had to like reteach myself how to play everything again. Yeah, so it's something you've kind of been been working on just constantly, pretty much pretty much an yeah. everyday thing for you, huh? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Still not very good, but um, I try very hard at least. Hey, well, you, hey, you know, you got a big fan here in New Hampshire. I don't know. Have you ever been to New Hampshire in the states? I'm um, not sure. Have mind driven through it? I feel like we've driven through every every city there is now. But um, yeah, yeah we're about, we're about eye. we're about an hour and a half from Boston where we saw you. All right. Yeah, so it's not True. too far. Yeah, yeah there's not yeah, a ton of ton of uh, indie or smaller places to, to that would host, um, you know, a show like that. But uh, obviously, we touched on The Cure earlier. Like, what are some of your other, you know, big influences? Like, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a drummer. I'm in a band as well. And I feel like we're kind of oh, the cool. sum. We're like the sum of our, our influences. Like, we don't try to deliberately nick something. Maybe subconsciously it happens. But, like, what are, like, some of your kind of big influences and, and you know who really inspires you yeah definitely I, I find it really hard to draw the line there as well with influence but um yeah the cure is a huge one for me obviously I'm always you know trying to put like a either a, a cure baseline or new water baseline and everything um nice. I think it's, it's it's a pretty kind of um common thing we do in both hatchy and rinse music it's always quite melodic and up the higher end when it comes to bass. And yeah, bands like Echo and the Bunnymen, Jesus and Mary Chain, um, MBB, obviously. But I grew up on like a lot of pop, like Coldplay and stuff like that. I feel like I learned how to write good bridges from Coldplay and stuff like bands like that. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like, in the last year, obviously with the new singles 
kind of moved into more of a Nine Inch Nails, 80s Depeche Mode kind of world. Um, yeah, enjoying, totally. Enjoying that kind of music a lot, a lot more and making that kind of music. And I feel like in a live sense, it's kind of where I want to head. It's a bit more um, upbeat and heavy and fun to play live. I'm just kind of keen to um, separate myself a bit from Hatchie and just kind of find my own footing and my own unique kind of style. And I feel like I've kind of found that now with all the new songs I'm working on. Yeah, they have I, they have kind of more of an industrial feel. I was definitely thinking Trent Reznor when I, I listened to a couple of the more recent ones. Um, Does it feel like heaven? That was was that from earlier this year or last year? Sorry, I forget. Yeah, that was yeah that was from March. That was um that was kind of outliner. That was one of those songs because I have all these this record that I've I've been working on and it's all kind of in the world of the latest songs I just put out. And I was just kind of like, if I don't put out does it feel like heaven now it's going to feel really weird to put out after this record so it kind of made the most sense to release a march just before i just kind of like uh clearing out the dream pop um dream pop cobwebs a bit with that one um but there is there is some more kind of dream pop shoegazy slower kind of ones um you know sitting in the demo folder they'll probably come out at some stage but yeah kind of moving into the more industrial world right now yeah, you, you got to go where the, where the muse takes you, you know, where the inspiration takes you. But I, I love the dream pop stuff too, though, Joe. Um, you mentioned Echo of the Bunny Man. They're one of my all-time favorite bands, obviously more of a post-punk, um, gothic feel. Uh, we actually had Will Sargent on the show uh, last year. Uh, oh, amazing. Yeah, I've been reading his book. Oh, Bunny Man. Um, so he's got a second one coming out too. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to finish it, but it's, it's really good. I really like his um, perspective on it all. Yeah, it's it's an easy read, and he's uh, he's just a regular dude, man. I mean, he he was he's just like he's like you know, if I didn't do this, uh, I wouldn't travel the world, and I'd probably be working in a shop somewhere or, or be a baker. You know, he's very uh, <laughs> he's very tongue in cheek yeah. about it, and just very him and Ian couldn't be more different. And yeah. uh, he told me that Ian dictates all the set lists, so he he because I was uh, you know, not surprised. <laughs> as a yeah, and I've met Ian a few times too, man. Ian has always been a sweetheart. He's uh, He's one of my favorite singers and lyricists of all time. Um, and I've seen them perform, you know, probably six times. And uh, there's times where you can tell Ian's not in the best mood, like on stage yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the sound that he gets or, or whatever. Um, but he's always been a sweetheart whenever I've met him or to the fans. And um, so when you play live, like, how do you how do you guys kind of determine the set list? Is it more collaborative or do you like to depending on the crowd or how long you guys have, like, cause, cause I, I do all the set lists for my band and it's always like a weird science when I put it together. No two shows are ever the same. Yeah. I mean, in Hatchie, it's kind of like, if it's a long tour, um, Harriet's throat and voice definitely dictates the set list a little bit. Um, it's pretty tough singing every night for like 30 days straight. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like the, the US tour we've got coming up, we're kind of doing something really different. Um, kind of like splitting the set into like three acts. So the first first part's kind of like the EP, um, first EP and album tracks. And then in the middle, we're doing like some acoustic stripped back songs and letting the crowd <coughs> kind of choose, choose what they'd want to hear. And then finishing the set with um, songs from the, the latest record, the more kind of pop, and upbeat stuff, um, finishing with that. So I'm pretty excited to try that because we've been kind of doing the same set for years. It, it's, it's, 
feels like that anyway. It feels like pretty locked in. So yeah, it's going to be cool doing something different. So we can expect to hear like first sets like Sugar and Spice and songs from that? Yeah, definitely. We're bringing all those ones back. Yeah. It feels good playing them again. It's, yeah. We just yeah. play them so much. Kind of, um, I don't know, it's weird. Like I never, starting a band, I never expected to be in a place where there is like, you know, two and a half or more records of music where you have to kind of choose. You can't, you're not playing every song you have. It's um, quite a weird place to be in where you have to actually choose and your opinion on what songs you'd want to hear or play is often quite different to what the crowd wants to hear. So it's, it's um, you know, you're kind of always changing it around a little bit to you kind of figure out, you know, something that there's something for everyone in there with. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for the acoustic, are you going to try to reimagine some of the more popular songs acoustically, or do you have different ones in the in the canon that you're going to bring out, or maybe a couple covers? Yeah, I don't know about covers. Maybe we will, but um, yeah, we're kind of just doing the kind of first record and first EP kind of ones. I think they're the most suited. It's kind of really difficult. The latest record, kind of um, putting them into like an acoustic world. There's a lot of kind of, um, they're just, they're just such produced songs that um, I kind of just want to keep them, you know, the way they are supposed to be heard, I guess. But um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, anything can happen. I think we're pretty open to just kind of changing it every night for the first time. Oh, that's cool. That that really kind of keeps it fresh. And, and uh, it's kind of similar to like what Jack White used to do with the White Stripes. He'd even go on stage without any kind of set list and just, him and Meg would just kind of call things yeah. out or see, you know, how they felt. I always thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I saw him play one time and he had, I don't know how the hell he, he could afford this, but he had two completely different bands and one was all women and then I think one was all guys. And like halfway through this set, he just like clicked his fingers or something and they changed, all the members changed. Um, wow. Bizarre. Yeah, he was doing some something strange like that for a while. Um, yeah, so I'm at a festival in Australia, like it was many, it was, a, it was quite a while ago, but yeah, I don't know how he could afford to have two completely different bands with him all the time, but it was, it was interesting for sure. Was that like a solo show or was it like the Raconteers or Dead Weather or it was just like- It a was um, just a Jack White show. It was kind of when he first started doing that, um, his solo stuff. Um, yeah, I can't remember the name of it anymore. But, Sixteen saltines, yeah. maybe, or around then, or blunderbuss. Yeah, I, think, I think so. Yeah, his his videos are wild too, man. Some of those, are, some of them are like horrifying, <laughs> in a good way. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like a horror movie. <laughs> right, I, I haven't seen them. I have to check them out. <laughs> so, so you guys are kind of doing uh, a West Coast slate of dates in America in uh, late August into September. Um, any plans for an East Coast jaunt that you know of? Um, to be honest, no real plans. It's kind of like a bit harder for us to get over there. Um, but maybe. I was planning on doing a rim show in New York um, when I'm there in September. But I think we'll just, we're going to be, we're going to be kicking around that coast just for a little holiday after this tour. But that's about it. Um, just kind of a bit out of our reach right now but um definitely keen to come back over it's it's probably my 
preferred coast. So I'd like to get over there and play some more shows. What's your favorite thing about touring? What do you, what do you enjoy the most about it? Um, uh, it's just, I don't know, Harry and I always talk about how when we're touring, we just kind of go to sleep feeling very um, uh, fulfilled, you know, like um, you kind of done everything you needed to do and it's, you can just kind of like push everything kind of that's happening at home or whatever, kind of out of your brain. And it's kind of nice just to hang out with friends and play music. It's always quite different. It, it depends, like, if you're doing, like, a support tour, um, it's kind of a different story. But playing your own shows every night and, having, like, having everyone kind of sing the songs back and stuff like that, it's, it's like, kind of crazy. And it doesn't really get old for us. So it's really nice doing those kind of tours. So we're really looking forward to it. Because it's been a while since we've done our own shows. We did that Alex G tour last. And, um, yeah, it was it was kind of weird going back to playing shows where nobody knows who you are, mostly. And it's definitely a different kind of vibe. You're, like, kind of, like, don't know what to expect. And you kind of have to push yourself out on the stage most, most nights because it's just a bunch of people kind of hoping you'll finish and the next the headliner will come on, like, as soon as possible. But, um, yeah. It's great. I don't know. I love touring. I love drinking yeah. beer. So, oh um, <laughs> yeah. What what kind of beer? What's your favorite beer? Um, I feel like this is kind of embarrassing, but I really like just lagers, like watery lagers. I feel like that's an Australian kind of thing, and the closest thing I can kind of I find in America, like Modelo's or Bud Light. But people usually laugh at me when I say Bud Light for some reason. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. I like a Modelo. I like a good Modelo with a fresh uh, lime myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an IPA guy either, man. I, I'm uh, I'm spoiled. I have a really nice brewery across from my place, and we have our birthday party there every year. And um, oh, wow. they got a really great Pilsner and Lager always on draft. So that's uh, I like drinkability. I like yeah. Stella Artois. Um, you know, it's got to be – and, you know, Australia, man, I'll tell you, I had a Foster's phase. Foster's oil oh, cans, really? man. Yeah, I yeah. Those anyone drink a Foster's ever, I don't think. <laughs> you know, the oil cans, man. I'll go to band practice sometime and get, you know, get a few of those, man. Those, those will get me through practice. They'll get you going for sure. Yeah, those are, those are good <laughs> ones. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, all the little intricacies of touring and, and fun things you can discover, I'm sure. Obviously, coming from Australia, maybe the first time to America, a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I'd say, completely different to Australia. Um Especially like LA and stuff, it kind of like freaked me out a lot when I first came there, to be honest. But um, gotten used to it a lot. Um, I love it. Yeah, I love um, yeah, I definitely move there if it was cheaper to live in, you know, LA or New York. But um, I think that's a a while off for us. We kind of we kind of moved there a couple of years ago to LA, and we I think we made it like four months, and then. Went home with our tails between our legs broke, um, unfortunately. But we'll get back there one day, I'm sure. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, even I live in New Hampshire, which is historically pretty cheap, but uh, God, price of everything has gone up, man. It's 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 uh, it's nuts. And and we do have some original songs, but we're basically a cover band, and um, it's kind of my part. I you know I have a day job, but it's really kind of my other part time gig, and. Um, we've been fortunate. We make uh, we get paid really to play covers, hired by 
private parties, restaurants, bars. Um, it's kind of our bread and butter. And kind of to what you were saying earlier about the set list, about playing stuff that you get tired of. I mean, some of these covers have been playing out since 2008. And I'm like, oh, God, mm. we got to play this again. Or the crowd will scream at us like we're a jukebox. And uh, it's, you know, it's not that we're complaining or we don't appreciate it, but it's like, oh, God, I hate this song. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. I was actually just listening to a podcast today. Um, you know that band, that Australian band, The Vines? Um, the Vines. Yeah, I've heard the of Vines. Them. They um they were kind of around like the early two thousand strokes kind of era, and they were kind of like our biggest kind of rock and roll export at the time. Um, but the drummer was talking about being in a cover band on this podcast with my friend, and it was really interesting. He was just before he joined this like the the vines, which blew up like crazy, which he found in like a classifieds ad. But um he was just playing in a cover band, going to Vegas like Christmas time every year, and I have a few friends that have played in cover cover bands tonight. I think I'd probably make more money doing that as well. So I'm definitely open to it. If there's a, a David Bowie cover band in Melbourne, um, and you need a, a synth player or even a singer, let me know. <laughs> yeah, hey, if you need a drummer, let me know. Bowie's one of my favorite <laughs> too, man. There's actually uh, a Bowie tribute act called Young Americans that's going to be about 20 minutes from my house next month. So I'm super stoked for that. Oh, you know, the friggin' yeah. woods in New Hampshire, we got a Bowie cover band coming. So I, I feel... Uh, I feel spoiled. Um, oh, you know, I, I, I even love Bowie's music in Labyrinth, man. Will Sargent kind of laughed at me when, when I brought that up. <laughs> we were talking about Bowie, and he's got a great story. It was Actually, he was on tour in Australia, I think, with David Bowie. Um, Bowie asked the Bunny Men to tour them in Australia and open up for him. Oh, wow. and, and Will had all of his uh, – he had like 30 vinyl albums shipped out to Australia and had him there, and Bowie was signing them. He signed every single one of them for him. And, wow. Uh, before one of the shows, Will accidentally spilt an entire drink all over Bowie. <laughs> oh, he had just come out of like getting all his cost, his wardrobe, hair, makeup, yeah, everything, and, and he he said he was really cool about it. But um, yeah, no, um, Bowie's a huge favorite of mine. We uh, we do heroes. Um, what's uh, what's some of your favorite awesome. Bowie Bowie tunes or um, eras? Yeah, I love the Ziggy Stardust record like so much. I listen I listen to that. Um, just front to back so much um, growing up. Um, but yeah, I got really into um, uh, what's that record? It's the one that like has like the Trent Reznor kind of um, remix and oh, I'm afraid um, of Americans was on there. The last, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last thing you should ever know, or something like that. But it's got all these. It's kind of like very in the world of Nine Inch Nails. I think it was when he became. Friends of Trent, and they did that tour together. Maybe it was a bit before that, but um, yeah, it's really cool. I've been into that one heaps. There's like a really sick video where there's Robert Smith, I think Billy Corgan as well, playing one of the songs on that record live with him. It's really sick. Um, I have to remember. Oh, is that, is that called? Is that called Heathen? No, it's Wait. like um, what is it? Last thing. Is on the last thing you should do. The last thing you should do. Yeah. And it's on um what's it on? Yeah, Earthling. That's it. Oh, Earthling. Okay. Yeah, does yeah. does does that have I'm deranged from the Lost Highway soundtrack? I think it's kind uh, of a, maybe around that era. That's a cool one too. Yeah, he collaborated he David Lynch had him do that for Lost Highway. Um Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Bowie man, he just he uh I just started the documentary about him. 
um, Moon Age Daydream. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. His, uh, I really like his last two albums too, man. I mean, the, especially the last couple music videos. He, you know, filmed and released those. He knew he was dying of cancer, and he, and he, it's, uh, you know, look, looking back, watching it now, kind of knowing, not knowing that at the time, but it's like, wow, that's heavy. Like the, the yeah, dude is so intertwined with his art and so committed to it that that he really planned it out like that, you know, for Black Star and Lazarus. Yeah, it's definitely like I remember. Yeah, it's just such a in, like crazy thing to do and keep. I just don't know how he managed to keep it so private, and it definitely, um, you know, made those records just feel completely different, knowing that he was making those, knowing that they would be his last or whatever. I'm sure he was planning on making many more, as many as he could before he, you know, passed away. Um, yeah, they're amazing records too. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I remember reading some stories about the people that worked on those records and, you know, how a lot of the people kind of knew it was happening, but it was just a real kind of tight ship and everyone kept it very private, um, which is good. Yeah, I think for the last album, I think Tony Visconti produced it. Uh, he's, he was producing them since Space Oddity, since the beginning. But um, they kind of had this, like, jazz band in New York that Bowie would kind of go and sneak in and see in a small club. And, and uh, they were like, uh, I think it was Visconti was like, uh, what do you guys think about playing on Bowie's next album? But, you, you know, you got to sign the NDA. you got to be quiet, kind of like you said mm -hmm. there. But could you imagine that, getting that call? Yeah, you're going to be working on an album. It's for David Bowie. You can't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, and you can't tell anyone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I, all the eras. I mean, um, probably Starman and uh, I like Ashes. To, I mean, so many good songs. Man. Yeah. So maybe, totally. maybe you guys, maybe you guys, in a corporate Bowie tune in a live rinse set coming up. Yeah, maybe. Um, I used to cover um, "Let's Dance" a lot in my um, old band, The Creases. Um, Whenever we had like a midnight set or like a kind of a party kind of show or something like that, um, we'd always cover that one. And there was like a Brisbane Bowie um, tribute night, and I did that there as well. I kind of butchered it a lot, to be honest, but um, gave it my own spin, which, you know, couldn't help. I'm terrible at remembering lyrics, so I'll often just plug some of my own in there if I can't remember. So yeah, you don't do the. I don't think you guys do the teleprompter. You're not. You're not. Uh... No, 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 no. Yeah, I like. I don't know what it is, but when it comes to covers, I just. I can remember like a hundred of my own songs, but when it comes to a cover, I get on stage. I just. It just goes all out the window, and I, it gives me so much anxiety doing covers live when I'm singing them. So I always have the lyrics written, but um, I also need glasses, so it actually kind of like makes it worse when there's lyrics on stage, man. Kind of trying to figure out what they're saying. They're usually a few beers with me, and I'm not reading very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky because during the shows, as the drummer, you know, I get to sit and I don't. I really can't sing. I mean, I you know, I like obviously I love singing on my own or in the shower, or the car, or whatever, like anybody. But um, we'll have a good laugh. We have, we have two singers and and the same deal. Some nights we'll do, you know, 39 to 45 songs, and they're mostly covers and. Uh, some of them, yeah, he's, got, he's got he's got the sheet music like we do Surfing USA by the Beach Boys, and that's that that's the word salad song. And uh, <laughs> when they flub words, the crowd might not know it, but we know it. And you know, like you said, they'll add in they'll add in a word or create their own kind of verse, and we pull it off. Yeah. But 
but yeah, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot. I want to. I want to. I want to say it. Yeah, it sounds cool. I have so much admiration for cover band, especially when you just have like, you know, sixty song set or thirty or whatever, and it's changing every night. Or you're doing three sets a night. It's just yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think um, I probably learn a lot doing something like that. Maybe it's a good idea. It's fun, and it's also I also describe it as as like a a, a, a plutonic marriage between four or five men. <laughs> you become shrink, you know, because I do the booking too. So I handle the booking, the negotiating with the venues, and then interpersonal stuff. Um, like three of us, we've been in the band together since two thousand eight. We've had a couple of lineup, you know, we've had a few different bass players, but the the, the core of uh, the core band's been together since two thousand eight. So it's been. It's been interesting, but uh, yeah. you know, the, the dynamics mean, and choosing what songs like I want to do more uh, post-punk and '80s. Like I want to do more Smiths, Bunny Men, but I'm, I'm often vetoed and outnumbered because I, I feel like crowds. Yeah. Would be, some crowd. I mean, I feel like a lot of people would know a song like "The Killing Moon." You'd be surprised yeah. how because that that's been in like so many movies and TV shows in recent years. It's crazy. Totally. Um, or oh, even their like cover of "People Are Strange" or something like that. Um, yeah, that's a cool. Yeah, cover. I've seen them play that a couple times. Yeah, I've, 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 I'm kind of, I've never seen them play live, but they're kind of one of the, the few bands. I, would, I mean, you, you said they're great, so maybe I will. But I was always scared that I'd see them and it wouldn't be like what I imagined in my head. You know, um, it's kind of, it's kind of like that with um, older bands that kind of do reunions or they, they keep going. I think, like, besides a few, like, slow dives that probably sound better than they ever have. Um, I do like slow like dives. A little bit. Yeah, I just saw them recently um, in Melbourne just a few weeks ago, and it was just amazing. And I'm sure, like, they sound better than they ever have, you know, back in the early 90s or whatever. Um, it's probably, yeah, the best I've ever performed. So it's wow. cool seeing bands like that, yeah. And they got like three guitars going, right? They got three guitars, a bass, and a drummer, I think, and maybe maybe. Yeah, key. Rachel's playing a lot of keys now, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, their um, their stuff's so ethereal. I mean, Suvlaki, um, Sleep. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the 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 more quote unquote hits, but I have never heard anything by them I didn't like, including the new stuff from a few years ago when they had the comeback album. I think that. Yeah, was... I think. Yeah, it's great. I love the, the, that new song, Kisses, as well. It's quite nice. Um, yeah, still writing great songs. You know, sometimes I don't really, when bands kind of get back together and stuff and start playing shows, I kind of hope they don't make a new record because I just want to hear the old stuff. But with Slow Dive, I, I like hearing it all. It was really good. It was a long set. I think it was like two hours or something like that, an hour and a half. It's definitely got, a, got enough songs, that's for sure. Oh, I got to check. Yeah, I missed them. They came to the Paradise in Boston, and I actually I missed you guys last year too. I think you played at the Middle East in Cambridge, um, mm. or it was either last year or twenty twenty one. I don't know the way the way years have gone by since twenty twenty. It's almost like one year, but it almost feels like three or four years. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, I know what you mean. It's just yeah, my memory is just shot when it comes to thinking about this. Yeah, um, to be honest. But yeah, I, I did see Jesus and Mary Chain in 2015 for the 30th anniversary of Cycle Candy, and that was awesome. They they yeah, still got it too, man. You saw yeah, them too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them around then as well. I think we played we played a festival with them in Australia with Hatchie. It was so good. I, I I went and saw them twice because I was just 
at the festival, it wasn't really their crowd. And I was like, I just want to go to their show, their headline show. And it was just so fun. I was just jumping around with a bunch of, you know, old guys in the mosh. It was just the best. And so, yeah. Yeah, and and you know the thing about Slow Dive, man, that I they were so young when they came out in the late '80s and early '90s. I I don't even think they're all 50 yet, or they might just be around 50. So it's really cool to see them, you mm. know, come back together. And to your point, like they almost sound better than ever and better now than maybe they did back then. It could be because of technology or because they're just more polished as musicians. You know, obviously Neil went off and did, um, you know, solo stuff, and they kind of went off and did different things. I think that's the yeah. six. Neil is his name. Um, yeah. But yeah, they've come back kind of more polished. So, but yeah, I mean, like last summer I saw Be Brian Wilson in Chicago um, play a double bill and Beach Boys are one of my all time favorites too. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it was rough seeing Brian. He's in pretty rough shape and I don't know if he's going to be touring anymore, yeah. but yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Was, he played in, he played in Australia, but I wasn't too sure about seeing him. I thought it would make me a little bit sad as well. But, um, yeah, when it comes to slow dive, I mean, it's kind of the, um, the dream kind of getting an email like 10 years later and being told that your music's um, more popular than ever and you need to get the band back together. So pretty happy for them. Yeah. There's some great versions of when the sun hits and, and, uh, yeah, I, I got to check them out. So, all right, Joe. Well, so you got the tour coming up. Um, yeah. I think some California dates. Are you guys pretty much just staying out in California or, or hitting Arizona? Yeah, we've got, or a, like we've got a no. We've, we've got a festival in Seattle. I think it's like it's like a first or sec, second festival we've ever played in America. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and then just heading down from there, doing San Fran, going to Ventura. I've never been there before. Um, and then, yeah, LA, it's very short. It's weird, actually, because it's we're so used to doing like three or four weeks and it's five days, five shows over, you know, 10 days or something like that. Um, so it's, it's going to go by very quickly. Um, yeah, hopefully more shows next time. We're working on plenty of new music. So trying to, trying to get that done and, you know, out there and touring as much as we can next year, hopefully. Yeah, and if, if you do the Rin Show in New York, uh, I'm probably three, three and a half hours from New York, so maybe I could make it out to that. Um, oh, cool. That's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, yeah I'll folks, let you know. the new singles, I Thought I Knew You and Let It Flow from Rinse, Joe Aegis. Joe, I really appreciate you coming on. It was great meeting you and talking to you. And um, I wish yeah, you and, and uh, Harriet safe travels and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys play again sometime real soon here in the States. Yeah, thanks so much. Hopefully, see you over there. All right, and cool. thank you, everybody, thanks, for watching. All right, yeah. take care.